Timothy, and I'm thankful to Paul for what he uh, read this morning from 2 Timothy, and I hope you've been reading the book of 2 Timothy. I hope, you, I hope you've been reading it enough times that you recognized, oh, Paul is reading from 2 Timothy, because uh, I've been reading it over and over over this uh, month, and I encourage you, if you haven't, even if you're visiting today, uh, here's a challenge for you. Read the book of 2 Timothy a bunch of times during the month of February. Why, you ask? Because I just made that up, and I think God wants us to read His Word, and there's a good challenge. Open it up and read 2 Timothy. We're in this series that I have uh, titled, Shoes, Shoes. It is Paul's last book that he wrote. It's at the end of his life, in the winter season, if you will, a time when a lot of people were... You know, it's kind of the end. I mean, we're getting close to the end of life. And so metaphorically, anyways, we put on some shoes. Maybe some, I mean, some shoes for me, right? It's, it's my time. I did all that when I was younger. Now it's my time. So I'm going to put on my, my golf shoes or, or my beach shoes or, or my shopping shoes or my house shoes. Just I'm going to stay home. Just leave me alone. But not Paul. No way. Paul does not do that. Metaphorically, Paul keeps wearing shoes that serve the kingdom of God. He keeps moving forward and helping the kingdom of God move forward. And so we've looked at several shoes over the last couple of weeks. In chapter 2, we looked at these. We looked at soldiers' boots. He says, be a good soldier. There's a war going on. Don't quit. Don't stop being a soldier of Christ at the end of your journey. He says, I also want you to put on athletic shoes. I want you to play hard, and I also want you, I want you to play by the rules. Because when you do that, you help the kingdom of God move forward against the gates of hell. He says, put on your farmer boots. Keep planting seeds. Keep looking around for opportunities where you can tell people the good news about Jesus and plant a seed here and there. Last week, we looked at teaching shoes. Paul is walking in the footsteps of Jesus, and he's inviting other people to come walk right behind him, and then he's inviting us to find people to walk right behind us. In other words, Paul is saying, I am finishing the race strong. As a matter of fact, that's actually the tense of the verb in 2 Timothy. I'm finishing the race strong. That's what he's doing. In another place, Paul says, look, our bodies are getting old. Paul realizes these bodies, they break down. My body's falling apart. There's parts that don't work anymore. Everything hurts. Paul admits that, but he says this, that's on the outside. But here's the deal. On the inside, I'm being renewed day by day. We talked about that Greek word, kainos. Kainos, that daily, I'm, I'm new today even when I wake up and I'm in pain. And tomorrow when I wake up, kainos again, new all over again. Paul believed the psalmist when the psalmist said, you will bear fruit in your old age. You will stay fresh and green. Not, not brittle and broken, no. Fresh and green in your old age. And we believe that too. No matter what our age is, we never retire from the kingdom of God. Ever. We don't do that. We finish strong like Paul did. We agree with the, the verses that somebody read this morning. Who was that? Tom Moore, that's right. We agree with the verses that Tom Moore read this morning. 
that no matter what our age is, that God, God will sustain us in our old age. And today we're going to look at two more pairs of shoes that Paul wants Timothy to wear and that the Holy Spirit is inviting us to put on today. Let's pray, and then we'll read our text from 2 Timothy 2. Lord, thank you for this day. What a great day to be together here. Just give you praise and lift up your name and worship you, God. We, wanna, we, want, we want you to be number one in our life. We want to trust you more. We want to have more faith. We want to believe that your grace is enough for each of us, that your grace is enough for every person on the earth. Help us, God. Help us to do the hard work of believing. Today, we pray you'd increase our faith, and as we read from your word, help us, God, to sit up on the edge of our seat, to realize this is you, these are your words, you're speaking to us. Help us to anticipate, what will you say to my heart today? So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is our text, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 I'm sorry, verses 20 through 22. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, and some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble purposes. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy and useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Paul is basically saying, he's saying, look, God's got lots of work to do. Whoever was that prayed that, I think, Mike, when we walk out the doors, that's when the church starts today. There's work out there to do. Good work. He prepared it before the foundation of the world for you to do. And he wants you to be prepared. And he says, you know what you got to do? You got to kind of clean the dish up. The dish has got to get cleaned up so that you're a, a dish for noble purposes. And so then he says in verse 22, where we're going to spend our time concentrating today, flee the evil desires of youth, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to put on a pair of shoes, and this is the shoes I want you to put on. Running shoes. That's what I want you to do. Put on your running shoes because there's a time to run away. There's a time to flee from the evil desires of youth. When temptations come, Paul is saying, don't put on your discussion shoes. Well, let's sit down and discuss it for a little while. These are my discussion shoes. Or don't put on your, I got to think about that shoes. No, don't put on your think about shoes. He's saying maybe the devil, see the devil will tempt us when the temptation comes you better put on your be careful shoes. This is going to be dangerous right here. This might, that might be sinful right out there. You better be careful right over there. Be careful. And the devil's saying, yeah, be careful. Sure, sure. And Paul says, don't put those shoes on. You put on your running shoes. You flee because there's a time and a place to move, to run, not to linger. The evil desires of youth certainly tempt us in our youth, but they can also tempt us in our adulthood. What will it look like to run from the evil desires of youth? Well, let's just be blunt today. I mean, let's be honest, okay? 
Let's just lay it out there and let's talk about some real situations instead of just doing a little nice church thing and saying all the little nice church words. Let's be honest about what it might look like to run away from the evil desires of youth. Get out of the parked car with steamy windows and run down the road. You can explain to your date when they catch up with you why you had to run. Get up off the couch at that party where alcohol and drugs are being passed around and everyone is having the time of their life. I mean, this is fun. I mean, don't, don't, you know, don't kid ourselves. That's fun for a while, all right? Everybody's having the time of their life. Get up off the couch, walk to the front door, open the door and walk into the yard and get your phone out and call your parents or your friend and run. Get off the bed at your girlfriend's house. Walk straight out the front door to your car and drive back home and call her later to explain why you had to run. Excuse yourself. Stand up from the chair and excuse yourself from the co-worker's office when the temptation of flirting with someone else's spouse is growing strong. Get up out of the chair and walk through the office door and run. Stop in the lobby of the hotel and ask yourself how you got to this place with someone other than your husband or your wife. Pray for strength and turn around without explaining yourself and run back to your car, run back to your family, run back to your home, run back to your God. Those situations and a lot of other similar situations I certainly believe describe what Paul is talking about when he says, flee, run away, put on your running shoes from the evil desires of youth. But you know, there are other evil desires of youth besides those things I just referred to that are sexual in nature. I like the story that I heard about a church. On the bathroom, up on the wall, they, they put one of those dryers, the kind that you push the button, and it blows out hot air and you can dry your hands off. But it only stayed there a couple of weeks. And when they ask, why did we take that down? The, the minister at that church said, because someone put a sign up that said, for a preview of today's sermon, push button. Yeah. A teenager did that. That's an evil desire of youth right there. See, we don't want to be so shallow as to think the only desires of youth have to do with getting drunk or getting high or getting lucky. There are many other evil desires that run deeper and more subtle, but they are just as dangerous as those. Here's some of them right here. Evil desires of youth that we should run away from, Paul says. Now, these are not in the text. I'm kind of filling in some gaps here. Pride, selfish ambition, stubbornness. These attitudes that are internal, that young people struggle with. The young people say, the world is about me and me having it my way. As a matter of fact, making oneself the center of attraction. I'm the center of the universe. Everything is all about me. 
That's an evil desire of youth. Impatience and love of novelty and rebelliousness, saying, it's going to be my way, and I'm not going to wait. I'm going to have it now. And I'm going to have everything the newest, and I'm not going to put up with anything old. Those are things that are evil desires of youth. Even at church, dogmatism and contentiousness. People that would say, I'm right about everything, and I treat people who don't agree with me poorly, not with love, but I'm ready to fight them. See, these are evil desires of youth. And of course, none of these are confined to youth. All of us know people that are in the winter of their life who still struggle with these things on the screen behind me. And I want to tell you, if you are in the winter of your life, if you're an older person and you say, yeah, that's me. I mean, that's just me. That's the way I am. Too bad. You know, that's, well, I want to tell you something. These are the things that we're supposed to mature out of. And you may have grown older in years, but you may not be maturing at all if you're not changing and growing out of these things. And thank God the Holy Spirit will help us grow out of these things, help us to run away from them. I know this example right here on the screen are not near as dramatic as the first list I talked about, but they are just as important. And of course, Paul doesn't tell us just to run away. Run away, run away. That reminds me of a movie some of you have seen. It's a really great movie. Uh, but anyways, um, he doesn't tell us just run away to nowhere. He tells us, I want you to run towards some things. Here's the places he says in that scripture to run toward righteousness. Run toward right living. Integrity and truthfulness at any cost. Fairness and justice in the world. Run toward righteousness. Run toward faith. Believing God and taking risks. That's what faith is. It's taking a risk that's scary. If you're not taking any risks that aren't scary, you're not having faith. You might have a list of beliefs. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it says faith. It's talking about taking steps because of your beliefs that are risky. Trusting God then, rather than our own carefully devised schemes that we have. Paul says, run toward love. Think of other people first before yourself and then put Action with your thoughts and then act toward others and put them before you. Peace, he says, run toward this, a life of order, not chaos. Unity with other people who love Christ. Joy in the gift of every single day. As I think about people who run toward righteousness and faith and love and peace, and especially people who've done that, in the later, maybe the fall or winter of their life, not the spring, but, but later. I think of this woman right here. Some of you have met her. It's the lady on the right. Her name is Sandy Hazlip, and she's my aunt. She lives in uh, Eastland, Texas, and she works in Midland, Texas, as a doctor. Sandy started working on becoming a doctor in her 40s. When most people are starting to say, I'm going to wind it down, start to retire, start to do things for myself, think about me more, she said, I'm going to think about other people more. So she went to school. And through her 50s and 60s and now into her 70s, my Aunt Sandy, who is a widow, lives by herself, spends 
60, 50, 60, 70 hours a week taking care of and caring for others. She, for the last probably decade, for the last 10 years, every summer has taken time off. She doesn't make any money when she takes time off. Taken time off to go overseas. She's been to Russia. She's been to Africa. She's been to the Orient. She's been to Europe. And she's not going to all those places just for vacation, although she does a little vacationing. She takes one of her grandchildren with her, and she goes on a mission trip. And nobody's calling her saying, hello, Sandy, we want you to come on a mission trip. She's making the mission trip up. She figures it out. She uses her creativity and her energy to keep moving forward toward love and faith and righteousness and peace. She's pursuing those things in her life, no matter what season of life she's in. She's one of my heroes. I'll tell you, it is tricky as we grow older. We Christians can be, as we get older, we can be running away from those obvious evil desires I talked about at the first. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not tempted by that. Oh, no, 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 that's, no, no. And, and we can go to church and we can look good to everyone on Sunday morning, but we can maybe not necessarily be running toward places of faith that God has called us. Instead, we could slowly and quietly, listen to me, be jogging toward what I'm going to call evil desires of old age. Maybe you've been tempted with some of these. Here's four of them. Evil desires of old age. Comfort is number one in my life. It's the most important thing. Nothing else is above comfort. Now, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable. Don't get me wrong. I like to be comfortable. And I'm not trying to say that we should, you know, go out and get a whip and whip ourselves every morning or something. I'm not saying that, okay? We could be comfortable. That's fine. But when faith calls, when God says, I want you to step out and go over here, and we say, well, I know God's want me to do that, and I would do it, except I'll be uncomfortable, so I will not. My faith? but just above it is my comfort. It's an evil temptation of old age. Materialism. The brittle, unbending insistence on a certain lifestyle. I will not lower my lifestyle at all, ever. I'm staying right here or going up, no matter what God calls me to do. Cynicism, a hard-hearted, bitter and angry anticipation that this is not going to work out. Plenty of buckets of cold water to throw on anybody trying to start a fire. You know, that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. This isn't going to work. The horrible temptation of old age. Judgmentalism. The cold indifference toward people around us and their situations. That's their problem. I dealt with all that when I was younger. I'm not going to lift a finger for those people. They made their bed. Let them sleep in it. That's their own problem. See, these words here don't match with Paul's vision for finishing the race strong. They don't line up with the psalmist's idea of bearing fruit in our old age, being fresh and green. They don't line up with renewal on the inside. They don't line up with what we read from Isaiah 46. God sustains us. He'll give me power to overcome these temptations. He'll let me keep walking toward the things of God no matter what age I am, maybe even like this couple in their 80s. Their name is John and Polly Lewis. And I want you to see, just for about two minutes today, I want you to see their story. 
Hopefully we'll have better luck than we did with the other video. Check this out. John and Polly Lewis are in their golden years. John's 89 years old, Polly 83. I feel young today, really I do. I might not look that young, but I do feel young. Polly says that's thanks to all the children who've lived in their home in Decatur, Georgia. They make you feel young because they keep you busy. The Lewises have been busy since 1972. After raising their two children in this house, they say the nest felt awfully empty, so they became foster parents. Over the decades, they've been mom and dad to more than 80 foster children. It was Sid, Ricky, Tony. Almost two. <laughs> Nothing but the best here at Gateway, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say, guys. Sorry. So, it's okay. You get the idea. Yeah, this couple who's in their 80s, what do they do? How do they spend the end of their life? And I wonder if you're tempted to be cynical and say, they just did that for the money. I don't know. I don't know if you are or not. But I'm encouraged by people who are in the winter of their life, who are willing, who are willing to step out and keep walking in these shoes toward righteousness. There's one other pair of shoes we're going to talk about today, and then we'll be finished. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says at the very, close to the very end of his book, do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me. He's gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark, and bring him with you, because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Paul is saying to Timothy, I am alone. And where is Paul? Where? Paul, the apostle, is in prison. He's a prisoner, and he's alone. And he says, Timothy, I need you to put on some, one more pair of shoes for me. Put on your visiting shoes. You can't see these people's shoes very good, but these are a bunch of people that are involved in a prison ministry in their town. And here's what I want to share with you as we finish today. One of the sisters here at Gateway, she is getting ready to put on her visiting shoes. She's going to share with you today what God is leading her to do, and she's going to share several ways that you can participate with this ministry. On your pew there, there should be a, a deal that says uh, Kairos on it, or uh, maybe it doesn't say Kairos, but it's a white piece of paper. And I'd like for you to pick that up. And I'd like for you to give a big, huge gateway welcome to Miss Vicki Cordova. Vicki, come on up. I kind of wanted to start out with uh, telling you a story about a young man named Justin Slaughter. Um, in October 2010, Justin was arrested for the murder of Julian Orozco. Um, I knew both of these young men. Um, I worked with Julian for three years when he was a little boy in the elementary school. And Justin, both Justin and Julian um, had been to my home a, a few times. But Justin and my sons were really good friends and I didn't like Justin. Um, I thought that I really felt like he was a bad influence. 
Um, <clears throat> I didn't like that he was friends with my kids. But it didn't matter what I thought about Justin. What mattered was what God thought about Justin. Soon after Justin was arrested for Julian's murder, God had put him on my heart. And I kept thinking about him for days, and God would not get Justin out of my head at all. And I felt like God had wanted me to do something. And so I had prayed, and I said, Lord, I'll, okay, you know, I'll, I'll write him a letter or send him a card or something. And the minute those, were out, those words were out of my mouth, I felt like God said, no, I want you to go see him. And so I said, okay. And... Um, and I had prayed, and I had just told God that if he wanted me to go and see him, that he needed to remind me on Thursday to call him, because that Thursday at 1 o'clock, after 1 o'clock is when you make your, um, you call the jail to make your schedule to um, visit with an inmate. And after I told God that I would go, I never thought about Justin again until Thursday afternoon when I was eating lunch at school. And God put Justin on my heart, and I turned and looked at the clock, and it was 1 o'clock. And so I knew that God wanted me to go and see him. So I got up from the table, and I went, and I called the jail, and I made um, a schedule to, I, I set up a time to go and, and see Justin. Um, on my very last visit, I, I wrote this on my very last visit, and it was, uh, on October 16th, 2010, and I'm not going to read all of it, but I just wanted to share some of the things that went on in that conversation that day. I felt that the Lord was leading me to just listen for a while, so I did. As I listened, the Holy Spirit pointed out a few things that Justin had said. I felt led to ask him if he had asked Jesus to be his Savior, and he said, I was taught that there was a God, but I never wanted anything to do with him. I wanted to do my own thing. Um, then I would feel guilty and think, why can't I be like any, everyone else and not care who I hurt? But now I know I need him, and I want him in my life. And he has been showing me things. It's kind of scary. It seems to me that he seems to give me what I need when I need it. Like last night was a really bad night for me, and I was having a really hard time, and today you came. When they told me I had a visitor, I was hoping it wasn't one of my old friends, and it wasn't, it was you. And when I read the Bible, he shows me things that are about what I'm going through at that time. Justin also told me that when he's in general population, he, it was really hard for him to do what was right. He said, everyone in here picks on the weakest, and I find myself doing the same thing just so that I look that, like I'm tougher. He said, in a way, I like being in solitary confinement because when I'm in general population, I do what others want me to do, and I don't do what I know is right. I just want to get out, but for now, I know that this is my home. Justin also told me that he keeps seeing the faces of people that he has hurt throughout his life, that he sees the sadness in their eyes and that it made him so sad. He said this twice during the course of our conversation. Then the guard came in, and it was time to go. I felt an urgency to tell him one more thing. I said, Justin, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go back to your cell and be quiet before God and ask him to reveal to you all the people that you have hurt and then ask him to forgive you for each and every one of them. He said, I will, and he turned and left. The reason I, one of the things that I wanted to say is that just, God was not only changing Justin's heart, but he was changing mine. Because when I first went in there, I didn't like him 
And when I left there that last day, I could honestly say that I love Justin Slaughter. The reason I share this story about Justin is to say that I believe that Justin was just a stepping stone to where God is leading me today. About a month and a half ago, John told me about a prison uh, ministry called Kairos. And he said that they needed more people. And so uh, if I wanted to go, I could call a woman by the name of Lori Benavides that attends the Episcopal Church. So to make a long story short, I'm now part of the Kairos prison ministry. In April, um, me and several other women from around New Mexico will be going to, to the women's prison in Grants. Every six months, Kairos has what they call the Big Weekend, uh, in which inmates are invited to attend. The Big Weekend is centered around the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. The inmates who are invited to the Big Weekend are those that the chaplain and the guards consider to be leaders in the prison, with an emphasis on those who lead negatively. On Thursday, uh, okay, the Kairos Weekend lasts three and a half days. It's a 40-hour um, time, it's 40 hours that we're in with the inmates. Um, the Kairos, um, on Thursday, uh, when we go, we will be in there for three and a half to four hours, and this time is used to meet the inmates who will attend the weekend and also to reduce the anxiety for both the inmates and the team that goes in. On Friday, <clears throat> Friday is a 13-hour day. On this day, the inmates begin to understand themselves and their standing with God with the focus on how much God loves them. Saturday is another 13-hour day. On Saturday, we examine our relationship with Christ and others and the role of forgiveness in those relationships. We encourage the inmates to use this day to give and receive forgiveness. Sunday is a 10-hour day. On this day, we begin the process of growing in faith and in community with others. We focus on looking forward to a life in the Christian community within the institution. And that's what the, the big weekend is about. After the weekend is over, um, we go back uh, to teach the women who were, in, who were invited to the, the weekend to um, start prayer and share groups. Um, the prayer and share groups consist of three to six um, inmates um, who will pray together and fellowship together once a week. Um, then we continue to go back to the prison once a month. Um, but this is where I need help from the church family. In order to attend a Kairos weekend, I need to pay $175 for myself and $175 for an inmate to attend. I also need to make four trips to Santa Fe for training. Between the cost to attend the big weekend for myself and an inmate, the gas, motel, and food for four for my four trips to San Jose, plus the gas to travel to Grants, I estimate I will spend about $1,060. Due to the generosity of two women in our church, I have received $275, which I will use to pay the $175 I owe for the inmate to attend. And also, um, I'm going to use the, the other $100 because of, to go on my next trip to San Jose, which is this weekend. Um, in order... To raise money, um, I'm going to ask you for donations. What you get for your donation is a container of my homemade salsa. Uh, just bring me a container with your name on it, and I will fill it. Um, I would ask that you would bring them to me on Wednesday night and on Sunday night, and then you will have it the following Sunday. Um, 
I also need participation from the children and the teachers uh, in the church. Um, this weekend when I go to Santa Fe, they're going to be giving me white um, paper placemats. And I need for the children of the church to draw a picture and put their first name and their age and maybe a little something like God loves you or you know some word of encouragement. On the last, uh, on my last training, I, we were told that, that um, there was a woman who, who sat down and on her placemat um, was the name Stephen. And it really touched her heart because she has a son named Stephen. A lot of these women don't let get to see their kids, and so these placemats are a big encouragement. Another way you can help is by uh, purchasing meal tickets. Each meal ticket costs five dollars. Um, the meal tickets are placed on the placemat when the women come to sit down to eat. And it's just uh, a way of letting them know, them know that somebody in the free world loved them enough or cared about them enough to pay for a meal for them. And this really speaks volumes. Um, I also need lots of cookies. Every inmate, every guard, everybody that attends, uh, that everybody that has anything to do with the prison gets a baggie of 12, of, of a dozen cookies. Um, we also use the cookies during our breaks, and we, they're also used um, on Saturday in the forgiveness service. Uh, what they do with those cookies for the forgiveness service is any inmate that has hurt somebody or that has, um, or someone has caused them, they give that person a cookie and they ask them to forgive them, or they give it to them and they tell them, I forgive you. And this is their way of telling them that I forgive you. Um, and the last thing, oh, and then uh, John already told you about those papers on your, on your, um, these papers right here. Um, if you would like to help with Kairos, um, it would be, I would appreciate if you could just fill one of these out and then give it to me after the service is over. Most importantly, um, I would like for you all to be praying for this weekend. I would like prayers that God, that, that the people, the guards, the inmates, the everybody, the warden, everybody, the team that's going in, when they leave that place, that we would all be so much more in love with Jesus than when we first got there. I also ask that you would please pray that God gets the glory. Because this is his party, and we've just been invited to serve in his party. But he's the one that's going to supply the gifts. He's going to be, be the one to supply the grace, the love, and the hope that these women so desperately need. And so he deserves all of the glory and all of the praise and all of the honor for this weekend. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Vicki. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Here's an opportunity for all of us to come alongside Vicki 
and alongside the work that God is doing and put on our visiting shoes. Perhaps today the Spirit has convicted you about putting on your running shoes. You know you've been giving in to the evil desires of youth, some of you. Or perhaps the tricky desires of old age have been tripping you up and you want to run back to Him today. Back to your faith. Back to the place you could find some peace. Back to right living. Back to your first love, Jesus Christ. It's His invitation. Come as we stand and as we sing.